So, have you seen The Matrix yet? It's all that and a bag of chips. Whatever. I've been busy watching Clinton's impeachment on TV. Wait, a Game Boy? What are you playing? This new game called Pokemon. Pokemon? That's whack. What are you doing Pokemon? Collect monsters and fight them. As if. That'll never catch on. But there are 150 of them. Oh, that's cool. Not. Who needs that many monsters? Hey, Homeskill, let's get in here. I just downloaded the trailer for Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Now that's going to be fat. 22 years later. Slow down, slow down. You're driving too fast. I'm missing all the pokey stops. Look, it's not my fault you lost your license because you crashed into a tree four times playing Pokemon Go. Now come on, Switches are in stock at Target and I have to play the new Pokemon. Ugh, it doesn't even have the full Pokédex. I'm telling you, the original 150's where it's at. There's just too many of them now. Well, at least the new Pokemon doesn't suck like the new Star Wars. <laughs> I know. I mean, at least we've got the fourth Matrix movie to look forward to. Never thought that would happen again. That or presidential impeachment twice. Wait, what year is it again? This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are, of course, a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like your weekly news show, RPG Cast, and your weekly feedback show, Q&A Quest, which, uh, speak of the devil, we have a Q&A Quest alumni, Mr. David McBurney. Glitched out bird-type Pokemon. And then Miss Pokemon Master herself, Cassandra Ramos. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and then video extraordinaire Wafter. What's up? And of course, my podcast, the Jesse to my James, my podcast partner in crime, <laughs> Mr. Matt Mason. Uh, I'm just trying to uh, log as many hours as my son in uh, Pokemon these days and failing. And we might have a Michael Apps later. He's got some uh, kid aggro dealing with right now, which our hearts go out to him. Hopefully he'll be able to get get that kid to bed but if, if you hear him pop in later then you know he got the, he got the kid to bed but um yeah so the 25th anniversary of pokemon is happening and who knows what's what nintendo's gonna announce of course we're recording this before the anniversary but the show will probably go up on the anniversary so we shall see i i'm looking forward to what they're probably gonna do i know that there's a post malone concert thing that's gonna be going on I almost mm. know who that is. <laughs> I I only know him because he sang the, one of the songs in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie. That's how I almost know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, I've also been checking the Pokemon site religiously just to see what kind of stuff merch they're going to have for the 25th anniversary. And thus far, it's only a $300 electric train set. Hashtag Sinnoh remix one. Yes. Let's go Sinnoh. 
Destiny. (laughs) Unfortunately, we're not talking about Seno. That'll be, like, somewhat later. We're talking about the OG games, Pokemon Red and Blue. Though we'll touch a little bit on the remakes, because, I mean, when else are we going to talk about the Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu? And plus, Fire Red and Leaf Green is just kind of good to talk about when comparing... Mm-hmm. But um, we'll get into that in a little bit after this brief musical interlude. So stay tuned for Pokemon Talk. To our very special episode, the Pokemon 25th anniversary special, kind of doing a little bit of a different show this time around. Not going to like break down the games completely, but more going to talk about our memories and the development and what, like I've been saying, kind of going a little more retro knots with this special. Because I mean, Pokemon has a rich history, and that, not just the games, but just the mania that occurred in, like, what, 1998, 1999 in the U.S. when the original games came out. Though we are celebrating the release of the games in Japan. It's 25 years, but still, release dates, it's that thing. We, we remember it in the 90s. So, let's get into it. How, how did we all get into Pokemon? Who wants to go first? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the information is lost to time. I just, at some point, I saw an ad for it, and it was like, that is the thing that I have to own now. So, I, I don't fully remember all of the circumstances, but my first memory is watching Ash fight Koga on a random channel, and then I didn't see anything else for the show for a long time, but then I got the games when I saw them. So, I, my my memory is very distinct because I had a bunch of dirty friends in high school, and one day I walked by and they're playing this card game at the lunch table. And I was a junior in high school at the time. And I'm like, hey, what you guys playing? And they, they're like, we're playing Pokemon. It's this new card game. And I sat down and I watched them play this, and I saw the monst- monsters, because it was that starter deck that came out way back when, if, you, if any of you remember. Um, it was a starter deck deck that came with a hollow foil manchamp and then had um, fire and ground type. Mm-hmm. And I was just transfixed and that starter deck was like built to play, be able to play with two players. So they handed me like one of the mini decks and we I played and I immediately went out and got, got the starter deck at the comic book store and played with my mom. And at that point I was addicted. And unfortunately, I didn't have a Game Boy at the time, but I really wanted to play the game that this card game was based off of. So I ended up uh, getting a ROM of it because this was when ROM started being a thing on the Internet. And um, I played the crap out of that ROM, even though I got stuck, I think, at around Giovanni's Gym, I want to say. And I never finished the game on the emulator, but... Yeah, I, I was hooked. I was I was buying the merchandise, and I was very hooked on the card game, and was watching the cartoon on Sunday mornings. Came on like right after Batman Beyond. I'd set my alarm every Sunday, and then 
like end up sleeping through Batman Beyond, but then waking up just in time for Pokemon. And <laughs> yeah, I I still have the Meowth, uh, giant Meowth plush that I got for my birthday that year in 1999. Oh, wow. Oh. I mean, my story is a little bit like yours because I uh, definitely got into it via the card game. Um, well, when I went off to college in 96, um, I brought my Super Nintendo with, uh, what game was it? Seventh Saga. And that was pretty much it. Uh, like, in, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew they'd get somebody. But uh, pretty much in the mid-90s and through the late 90s, all I was playing were, um, like, city simulation games on my computer, a lot of Sierra ones, uh, some Diablo, Heroes of Might and Magic. That's, like, that That was what I, I was away from RPG, console RPGs for a while. But then uh, summer of 99, um, I stayed in Orlando during my summer break and ended up getting a nanny job. I went with a nanny agency and they were like so excited that a man walked in their door and I got a job in 36 hours, I think. Um, I had two two boys that I was a nanny for that summer, a kid going into fifth and a kid going into seventh grade. And mainly I just got there in the morning, drove them to the whatever camp they were doing that week, um, picked them up in the afternoon, got them dinner going, and that was about it. Um, but these kids were obsessed with Pokemon cards. And really, gosh, I'd say probably every other week, they didn't, one of them didn't have a camp or the other didn't. So it was just me home all day with one of the kids. And I like taught them how to use the phone book, you know, skills that they need today. <laughs> um, and they would like, they would, I'd teach them like call up target, say, do you have Pokemon cards in stock? Because they were obsessed with them. And I was like, I barely knew what it was, but they finally got enough cards together, enough starter decks. And then they were like, I remember like the second week I was with them, they looked at it like, okay, now what? Cause all they'd heard about from their friends is you need Pokemon cards and they had no clue what to do with them. So I learned to play the game. We played together all summer. I used to take them the, um, borders, some evenings to do battles with other kids but it was right around the end of that summer that i started getting into P emulation too and i was suddenly all of a sudden was like oh my god i missed like the entire super nintendo era so while i got um into pokemon a little bit i'd suddenly been handed the keys to the entire super nintendo library so you know i gave it a few hours and I'm like well this is pretty cool but you know there's super nintendo there's final fantasy 6 come on like where was I going to pick looking at here? Um, but I, I, I got back into it with um, the Game Boy Advance. Definitely played the uh, Fire Red, Leaf Green very well and played both of them and got a second GBA for it and everything. And so now, well, I need to ask you, how awkward was it being like your first year in college and being into Pokemon along with the little kids? Because I, I kind of oh, I was a senior in college. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had a hard time dealing with it after I graduated from high school and was, you know, competing for Pokemon cards at garage sales with uh, toddlers. <laughs> well, I actually never got the cards back then. Honestly, I, I didn't think I owned a personal card until about uh, 14 months ago. And now my kids and I have like 3000 of them. We got like 42 <laughs> different decks that we battle with regularly. So no, kind of missed that whole thing. I had that one summer of fun with those kids like. And then was just like, eh, now I've got a whole I've got a whole console generation to catch up on. Pokemon yeah, got I, set aside for a couple of years. When it came to the card game, I think I dropped off like shortly after the jungle expansion because, you know, that's when I got a job and discovered that video games were more fun than card games that I could mm -hmm. barely play with people because my friends grew out of that pretty quick. And then my school banned the cards, so oh. it didn't matter. <laughs> just keep gambling with them. Oh, of course. <laughs> 
they, 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 no, at my school, they were like the devil cards. <laughs> yeah, not allowed, allowed, to, not allowed I live to bring them. In the Midwest, yeah. Uh, so that's, let's, that's let's really get some youngins. Where you are. <laughs> <laughs> let's get some youngins' perspective because you guys are considerably young. I think I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was eleven. <laughs> So I turned 12 by the time I actually pl- played the game for the first time, though I got into it a few months before. Uh, I, uh... So, okay. Yeah, I guess I'll start with me. So I don't remember the like the I certainly don't remember the exact instance I first heard of Pokemon. Uh, that summer before sixth grade, I'd actually gone on a family trip to Honduras, my mother's um, home country. So I feel like I missed like the very beginning of any promo stuff. So I went into the sixth grade, going like, what's this Pokemon stuff you guys are talking about. I was kind of shy, so I didn't really bring it up directly until I spoke to a friend of mine and she was just like, hey, you should at least check out the anime. This is pretty, you know, this stuff's pretty cool. So I said, okay, I watched an episode on TV. It was Island of the Giant Pokemon. I distinctly remember the episode. A little confused, just like, okay, so there's this baby Tyrannosaurus with its tail on fire and this yellow long-eared thing and a turtle. (laughs) But I, I, I... Basically got it into it right away after that. I really enjoyed the anime. Uh, for my birthday, I got Pokemon Red, and I just was hooked into it. I got the toy. I got the toys. I got the cards. I, I mean, I kind of dropped off of it. Like, probably after the fossil expansion i imagine something like that i would randomly like collect cards for a few years after but i don't think i bought anything new in like 15 years or so but yeah just uh, started with the anime and got into the games and it's been a large part of my life ever since also helped me in middle school when you're like because middle school is you know sixth grade the first year of middle school it's like a big change from elementary school middle school sucks yeah, that too. But, that. <laughs> but yeah, it helped me to adjust. It helped me to make new friends. So you know, I feel like I owe a fair bit to Pokemon. We we joke about toddlers being jerks, but man, middle schoolers are probably yeah. worse. Oh yeah, middle schoolers have the capacity to consciously choose to be jerks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I believe that. Oh yeah, for sure. And I do by like I think the eight at least the middle of seventh grade to eighth grade Pokemon stopped being considered cool. But I guess I know who my friends were if they were still into it with me. Uh, David. Oh, okay. Uh, well, like I said, uh, I was like eight, and I didn't. I don't. I I'm almost certain I just started with the games. I don't remember what possessed me that I needed them, but the second I saw <laughs> them, I needed them. <laughs> And then, ultimately, like, I got a copy of Pokemon Red, but my brother also wanted to play that, so we got a copy of Pokemon Blue, and I shifted to that, and he just played Red. And, uh, so that was kind of the ideal Pokemon household in that sense, because there were two Game Boys and two Pokemon games. Uh... No, that, that's, that was a great way to do it. Yeah, that's how yeah. I, I did it with my sister. Just, and from then on, we would get, uh, you know, the opposite versions. <laughs> I, I think blue is what inculcated me to always pick the second named version, mm. but uh, also that was the one with Meowth in it, so that seemed important to me. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, uh, so I was, you know, Im- immediately from playing the games, I and being, you know, an eight-year-old, I was a Pokemon lifer, so... Even to this day, if you were to look around my parents' garage, you would find just an arbitrary smattering of gar- of old Pokemon toys. Uh, definitely, you know, eventually, like I didn't, I was not a religious viewer of the anime. It was not, it, it was, it was fine. I certainly watched plenty of it, but it was not one of those things where I was like obsessed with 
the anime it was the game that uh captured my imagination uh there were you know ambient pokemon cards around but you know only you know i didn't really like neither me nor my brother really played that uh, card game we just liked the cards because they were pokemon on them. <laughs> but uh, you and 99 percent of the other people yeah same here. Listen, yep. the, the I, I, rules I, I, were complicated but yeah the i think my pretty. sister and i tried to play like a very simplified version of it but largely we just I never cared, didn't care much Listen, energy what the what even are energy cards but <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you played without the weaknesses or if you played with the weaknesses and the strengths um intact it got kind of hard kind of quick especially you know just like the actual game if you had tight matching and stuff you could pretty much decimate people so we always had the house rule that weaknesses weren't a factor just because <laughs> it did make it fairer it's uh it's some growing pains of any given tcg yep but uh but yeah so we uh <laughs> We were we were kind of Pokemon lifers up through you know Gold and Silver, which is not I won't go into too much since that's not what this is about. But uh, so you know we we somehow both had copies of Pokemon Yellow, and uh, that that really should tell you everything about how much it was an obsession, but a shared obsession. <laughs> and uh, that uh, we we kind of it was a closed chapter of my life between the. Game Boy and DS, so like I actually have no experience with the first remake. Ah. Well, we do have another member who's uh, rolled into the episode right now. Welcome, Wheels. Nice. Hello. Hello. We're How's it uh, going. It's going well. Probably better than uh, your evening started off. Yes, uh, toddlers are worse than middle schoolers, and I will hear no <laughs> argument to the contrary. <laughs> Agreed, agreed. There, there's no argument here. So we're just sharing our uh, how we first got into Pokemon. Sweet. So uh, I don't remember exactly how I first heard about the game or whatnot, but my parents ended up getting me Pokemon Red, and they got either my brother or sister Blue. I can't remember. They may have gotten my brother Blue, and then my sister ended up with it, but then she ended up with uh, Yellow as well, but um yeah i was kind of like head over heels for this game right from the start um and i think my sister like loved the anime right away so you know it was kind of a bonding point for all of us uh and i even started to go to the point of uh actually collecting them all in the first game which took forever Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's our first mention of that tonight yes indeed but... Uh, I was lucky because I had I went to a karate class with like people of all different ages, so I was able to uh, trade with a lot of people there and get a lot of the ones I was missing. And um, out of curiosity, how old were you? High school age. Okay, so you were about my age. Yeah. Because I was I was a senior in high school. You missed that bit. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was a junior. But yeah, it was it was a high school age trading with middle schoolers and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. which was awkward. Yeah, those beat uh, kids up for their Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? I was a wuss. They would have beat me up. <laughs> and, and can I also say how jealous I am of you guys that had siblings that were old enough for Pokemon age? Because my sister was eight years older than me. Oh. And uh, she not only was she past that, she thought Pokemon was stupid. Uh-uh. 
hated it. That's a shame. Yeah. But yeah, my sister and I have always been pretty close, and she's three. She's three years younger than me, so she was basically they played at the, at the age group there. And again, she always had. We also took picked opposite versions. Basically, she would she would pick one, and then I pick whichever one she didn't pick because I wasn't very picky about which version I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another fun fact: Pokemon is my very first RPG. Before then, I only played like platformers and puzzle games. Oh wow! And I That's could awesome. Yes, and I like when I very first turned on the game, I could not figure out how to leave the house. My sister, <laughs> life, just exit out that weird rectangle on the floor. Like, I was like, what are you doing this? Oh. I'll be back in one sec. Alrighty. Poor Wheels That's in the maybe tunnel. the most optimistic statement I've ever heard. <laughs> so we've got quite a range of ages for this, which which I'm kind of happy for because, um, you know, like I said, it was always weird for me being a teenager and hearing the stories of some of the younger folk that got into it is interesting. It's well, basically was... written on my DNA. Yeah, yeah same here. Yeah. I, I was mean, like it, it was... 16, right? 94, or 84, it came out in, what, 98 in America? Yeah, yeah. so you're, mm-hmm. two, you're two years older than, or two years younger than me. Because I I'm, was born in 82. Gotcha. And j- just for the time frame, um, the original Pokemon in Japan was released on February 27th, 1996. And then in the United States, it was September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. So that, that was about the time frame. You know, uh, just doing a joke with our skit. I want to say it was the summer of ninety nine that like Pokemania really hit the United States and just hit it hit it like a truck. Mm-hmm. Took a bit to percolate there, but yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yes, I mean that was that summer. That's what I talked about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely everywhere. The anime was a huge hit. Toys. The movie was about to come out and came out during that year. The first movie. And yeah. it, 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 at least in my school, eventually Pokemon-related stuff had to be banned just because it was you know kids were getting into fights over it and stuff. No cards. No no toys. You still have to, you were supposed to bring your Game Boys anyway, but that was also banned. Yeah, I definitely lucked out kind of graduating before stuff really got banned. I know that they banned the cards um, that senior year, but they didn't ban a lot of the other stuff either. And I also very distinctly talking about the movie coming out. I remember very distinctly uh, eating a lot of Burger King that summer because of the oh, toys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I had one of those Pokeballs with the like, they came with the uh, the gold plated cards. And I can I do one not know that, that one. Yeah. One to kill the child. No, no, no. That was uh, for the toys. The uh, they oh, sold okay, these, okay. like special gold plated Pokemon. Yeah, we cards. had the gold plated like yeah. card Pokeballs. And well. those came in like a big fancy like po- like replica Pokeball. And those go for like a lot of money nowadays. I think. And I have no idea where mine went. And I lost those gold plated cards a little while some time ago too. Because we found them when we was cleaning out the closet at my mom's house a couple of years ago, and I was going to sell them, and then thought about it, and I was like, you know, my dad went to, like, every Burger King in Wichita to get me those, and he didn't have to do that, and I can't bring myself to sell these now because, you know, my dad's passed away, and I ended up putting 
I ended up putting it back in the closet. Like these are going nowhere. They're, they're staying with me for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. my dad, you know, went out of his way to get me these gold-plated cards. And yeah, I still have some of the Burger King toys too. Um, my favorite being a Dragonite keychain that I kept on my backpack. I somehow never got a lot of those. I know somewhere in a closet I still have these like like uh, little either they're a bean. Uh, beanies or plushies of uh, like a kid's meal from Kentucky Fried Chicken of all things. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I remember that now. Somewhere in there. I'm sure if I were ever to look for it. I remember that now. The KFC had, or KFC did a promotion like the yeah, was, Pokemon. Yeah. Got before it really got big, yeah, and before the Burger King deal, it was KFC. Because I got um, Dratini and Seal from them, and then remember seeing uh, Vulpix and Zubat. Yeah, there's, I, they have a and, Vulpix somewhere, and I think a Seal somewhere. Like, dang it, I wish I would have known back then, because I would have gotten a Vulpix, because he was one of my favorite ones. But I still have the Dratini, at, at least. I know where the Dratini is somewhere. Yeah, yeah, she didn't think didn't ask to like collect all of them back in the day, but eh, what can you do? I didn't even think about it. you can find that uh, that commercial on YouTube now. It's kind of it's kind of funny <laughs> seeing the an animated Colonel talk about Pokemon. <laughs> I vaguely remember that commercial. Yes, gotta fry them all. Yeah, so, <laughs> something not really, but you could tell it was before people really know knew how to pronounce the accent. They calling it Pokemon. Yeah, I mean people still don't. <laughs> A lot of people still don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Kind of. Um, so this game has a very just interesting story behind the development and stuff in that. Let's let's get into that for a second. Because um, the story I know is that the lead developer, um, Satoshi, who Ash is named for, was very much into bug collecting as a child. And that's kind of where it all started. Yes, that and he was also into uh, tonkatsu shows, uh, kaiju movies, and... Things like Ultraman, Super Sentai. So that was also a big influence on Pokemon and other games that would develop. Uh, so the actually the earliest version of Pokemon it was actually called Capsule Monsters and was pitched to Nintendo in 1990. If you look around the internet, you can still find like the original like uh, concept art mm-hmm. or what the game would look like and some of the earliest Pokemon ever thought up. And Nintendo essentially told them, okay, this could be interesting, but, you know, work on it on your own time. And they developed other games in the meantime, and it took them six years to develop Pokemon. Oh, wow. Yes. What were were some pre-Pokemon games? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Pre? What? Yeah. uh, Games, uh, Game Freak developed, you mean? Yeah. Okay. I know there's Pulse Man, but there's a couple of others that I'm blanking on. Yeah, there's this. uh, Yeah, yeah, which is called Quinty and Japan. Japan, uh, they I, was it Mario and Wario was a more recent, like like right before Pokemon. I, or they that also right? did Yoshi, which yes, is a very Yoshi. forgettable Famicom puzzle, pu- uh, puzzling puzzle game. Oh yeah, I remember renting that. Yes, uh, so they, they did worked. something that Sony published, uh, Smart Ball, which is <laughs> kind of a cute Super Nintendo platformer with truly nightmarish box art. <laughs> Don't don't look up the smart ball box art. He's the grin is not made by something that wants you to survive. Um. <laughs> but uh, it but it was Pokemon that put Game Freak on the map more. Or oh less. sure, yes. Yeah, and, they uh, they were very much a work for hire developer beforehand. Yes. And for some fun trivia, the Capsule Monsters name likely came from Capsule Kaiju, which were kaiju that Ultraman 
would catch in one version of the series, I think called Ultra 7. But they feared that they would run into licensing issues with the Ultraman franchise, so they first were going to call them Kapumon, and then later changed to Pocket Monsters. So maybe we would have called these things Kapumon instead at some point. Which I find hilarious that they had to change it because then they couldn't call it Pocket Monsters in the U.S. because of the monsters in my pocket. Um, kind of small. What, what were they like? They were like yeah, they were now totally beans. forgotten. Brand. Yeah, they were yeah, a toy line. I think I, I don't remember them at all. And now it's it's Pokemon throughout the world. Even in Japan, it's usually just called Pokemon. Yeah, I, I remember Monster in my pocket very distinctly because when po- Pocket Monsters came out, I was very confused. Like, wait, isn't that the one with the little mini werewolves and Frankenstein's? And that that got an NES game, ironically enough. Like Konami. Interesting. I actually, I, at least, I distinctly remember, at least in the in the in the North America, Digimon, the uh, the digital pe- like the um, you know, like the Tamagotchi ish things came out a little before Pokemon, so I thought the two were somehow related. And they, yeah, and when, maybe in a weird sense, but yeah, when I was uh, that age and didn't know any better, I thought that um, Digimon was a ripoff of Pokemon, not realizing that it was the other way around. And I'd also somehow convinced myself that Digimon was American, and it <laughs> totally wasn't. So, no. I mean, Pokemon still predates Digimon by it predates a Tamagotchi, which is what Digimon is literally spun off of. Yeah. But it's more just a case of like they're like Pokemon is also very much influenced by like the tra- the traditional Japanese children's pastime of catching bugs and making them duke it out so, <laughs> so something they never got into cockfighting over there and, yeah something that I did not know was a thing over there yeah, yeah. beetles like yeah, it's usually Beatles. Like you'll see it a lot in any like depiction of Japanese like children's summertime activity. You'll uh, there's many games for that. Uh, there's there's a weird like sexy version of that as a mini game in Yakuza. It's like a joke. There's uh, <laughs> oh, also. What? Uh, Have you heard of Yokai Watch? There is Yokai Watch, but there's also uh, the cult Japanese uh, summer vacation simulation series, Boku no Natsuyasumi also has a bug collecting slash battling game, because that's that's just a... I guess, uh, I don't know how you would uh, set, you would make this word work, but it is the Japanese version... However you would say the Japanese version of Americana is children catching bugs and having to fight. <laughs> Japanicana? Yeah, Japanicana, I guess. Uh, a lot of mini games and other ga- RPGs make sense to me now, like uh, Jade Cocoon or um, Rogue Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah, it's, it's just a thing that is. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think like at least stag beetles making stag beetles fight each other was actually pretty popular throughout Asia, not yeah. not just Japan. Yeah, it's just I only have context for it in Japan. Right. So that's all I can speak on. And here in America, we just burned ants with magnifying glasses. <laughs> we, uh, we, we caught some spiders in the house and made them duke it out. <laughs> Put fireflies in the jar. Oh, I did that a lot. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's that. Yeah, I did that. Does making cats fight count? Huh? Does making your cats fight count? Um... <laughs> well, we never had to make them do that. They did that on their yeah, own. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Well, but, yeah, well, yeah, but... but... When they're kittens, you kind of match them against each other, and they'll start fights, and it's kind of funny. Oh, no, we never did that. 
Okay, so, but yeah, so while in the game for in development, just going back to uh, the original red and green, I, I think it took a while for Game Freak to even come up with the idea of a split version. They did want to do trading even early on, but their very initial idea was instead of like version exclusive Pokemon, you would have these so-called Mirage monsters that would have a very low chance of spawning in a dungeon. And I guess you were encouraging people to trade those. <laughs> Instead of, I imagine, just I'm frustrating just trade kids. Away those. Yeah, instead of like frustrating <laughs> kids, like looking in a dungeon for a random spawn. At least I would be that annoyed. I know I would. So that was some of their. They had a lot of. It's like a lot of interesting early ideas they had for that. Uh, they had thought up of about or over two hundred Pokemon. At, they were going to program a hundred and ninety of them into the game, but when they realized that was too daunting they cut it down to 150 and it's believed that some of them were programmed in and then they removed them and again this is not confirmed but it's likely believed that and they were they removed the pokemon that are not in the games so around 40 ish and those were replaced with missing no which i guess we we'll get into a little later <laughs> and also um and like before the games went to pr completely completed one of the programmers shigeki morimoto programmed a certain uh, very special monster, Mew, which would spark the imagination for years to come. And somehow didn't thankfully break the game in the process. He put it in after removing the test routines, and if you've ever had any idea of what that even slightly means, you understand that that was one of the most reckless things I've ever heard of Bad someone doing. Yeah. I mean, the games are kind of a buggy mess, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard for a child to cause them to break on purpose. So. Yes, that's true. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> that... I have gone the YouTube rabbit hole. Gone down the YouTube rabbit hole of just getting into just the asinine amount of bugs in these games, and not even the ones that they knew about. Uh, just how many moves are completely broken or don't work, and it it's legendary how buggy this game is. Oh, yes. Uh... I'm, I'm going to stick up for them for just a brief moment by saying that it was written over the course of years in assembly. <laughs> <laughs> and there are two things that need to be mentioned about that. One is that uh, the the adage is that you won't remember why you did something that way in programming about two weeks after having done it. Yep. And two, that it is really hard to tell what's going on in an assembly program. <laughs> yeah, I my husband programmed an assembly, so he's told me that. Oh, lordy. Years. Yeah, and it's like there's not a lot of space on a Game Boy cartridge, and so there's a lot of like data being like I don't completely understand, admittingly, but there's a lot of like this data stands for multiple different things. Yeah, it depends on, on what's reading it, basically. So it's just like so it's kind of makes sense that they're terribly buggy because they're really large, and Game Freak was a small team, especially at the time. I do want to. Uh, briefly bring up one thing that they they exploited the weird bad programming of Pokemon uh, Red, Blue, and Yellow in uh, Gold and Silver, if I can just briefly sidebar about this because it's fascinating which is uh, every Pokemon has its catch rate tagged onto it even though its catch rate is not useful after it's been caught so to keep items that were held by Pokemon when they were transferred back and forth from Red, Blue, and Yellow to Gold and Silver they just encoded the items as their catch rate, and Gold and Silver would read them as the catch rate. So, like, they were exploiting the fact that they had made tremendous mistakes about how to program <laughs> Pokemon Red and Blue when they were making Gold and Silver. Wow. But, yes, yeah, so for the game's release, they didn't get Red and Blue in Japan, they got Red and Green. 
instead. The games were largely identical to Red and Blue, except if you ever look at the sprites for Red and Green, they're <laughs> kind of ugly. Oh, yeah, they're oh, hideous. They're, yeah, like, like, just Mew alone just looks terrifying. Oh, that <laughs> mind is everything. upsetting Pokemon. Yes. It's just like, okay, it's a straight-up fetus. Thanks, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, Strawless is the one that kind of freaks me out whenever I see the green sprites. Just how fat and ugly poor thing looks and growl is one of my favorites but yeah but yeah despite that the the games did become a smash hit there um what was blue version in japan was actually a special updated version of red and green it was released only through coral coro i think you had to like mail order it specifically i don't quite remember and for the uh, for the releases outside of Japan, we got Red and Blue, which used the sprites from Japanese Blue version, but the Pokemon data and location and text from Red and Green, and that formed our Red and Blue, and that's what caused fun little translation errors, like Raichu apparently evolving <laughs> in a trade. Yes, Let's what build a rumor by accident? Yes, and uh, we are a rumor that turned out to be half true, but just to go into that so what actually happened is that for that trade in uh if i in red and green you were actually trading a cadabra for another pokemon that could trade by evolution graveler like a machoke or something yeah, yeah graveler machoke and such and so when you trade them you could get them to evolve that way so we would actually say the cadaver you traded me went and evolved but <laughs> they for the updates the pokemon were instead a right to an electrode but they forgot to change the translation so it still says Pokemon A went and evolved. And the hilarious thing is, is that some leaks, uh, like a few years ago, and also some uh, interviews with Game Freak, revealed that there was a Raichu evolution once upon a time called Gorochu that they took out of the game for safe spaces and the, for space reasons and because they were afraid it would make the game unbalanced. So accidentally, uh, they, it turned out that Raichu did at one point have an evolution. <laughs> Uh, makes me wonder how makes me wonder how OP he would have been. Yes, I mean, like, like Raichu itself is you know not terribly good compared to a lot of Pokemon. So yeah, it's, it's uh yeah, it it feels like it should be the middle stage of something. <laughs> and instead, we got a baby stage. Alolan Raichu is cool. That's true. Yeah. It Listen, is not, this was nothing about being cool. This was about being you know statted Useful. well. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, man, speaking of stats. What's <laughs> uh, not, the, actually? <laughs> one bug that I remember benefiting me was um, Persian. I, I guess it, its moveset for Slash uh, caused it for Slash to always crit. I can't remember the exact details, yeah. but something yeah, about it, the way that it's stats. I don't even know if that's a no, bug or if I it's do, just an oversight. Yeah, it could just be an oversight. But yeah, Slash would always critical instead of having a high chance for critical. And I abuse that like crazy on my Charizard. Yeah. Because Slash. especially like, because uh, the way that original Pokemon Red and Blue calculate critical hits is already very strange because it, it's determined by your speed stats so something like Persian is going to critical a lot regardless yeah, okay. yeah that's, that's, that's what it was anything with a high speed stat yeah that's right uh, not to mention the game not having not having a lot of stuff that we take for granted like being able to hold items or supposedly EV training is just non-existent in the originals i mean it, they, they were called something else i think they're called dvs and determined it, values are what people usually called yes I, th I think those were ivs actually 
Those were IVs. And there, I know there's DVs as well. Like yeah, some... well, no, I'm saying I think DVs replaced IVs. There are EVs ah. in red and blue, but as I recall, the way that they, they don't work like in modern ones where like you can get a certain set, you can get some stats to a higher number. It's like the way that EVs work in red and blue, it's just eventually they'll all max out. Hmm. So there's no like need to be determined to be discriminate about what your Pokemon is training on because they'll all eventually reach their maximum possible value. I see. Uh, that would explain like uh, one trick I heard was like you could just if you deposited your Pokemon in a box, its stats might raise. Yeah, because that's when it like recalculates its stats, especially mm -hmm. if it's at level 100. Right, and uh, for other like buggy things, like if, I don't know if you remember, like they completely broke uh, the the like this typing between psychic and ghost types. Oh yeah, uh, go yeah, ghost types. Like even in the uh, like you know even like uh, the player's guide or type charts, ghost was the anime to also lied to you in this. Fashion. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> a lie. The, the game just broke it. Is apparently what happened. Like ghost types were supposed to be super effective against psychic types, but they somehow broke that and instead ghost type attacks were ineffective against psychic types and since there's the barely any of them anyway yeah this is the three ghost types were also poison psychic types were unintentionally super effective against them yeah they did, and so, they did pick up in a second generation but still psychic is really like the the type that has no weaknesses in any meaningful sense in at that original. time definitely like right. what did you had like the you had like some bug type moves like twin needle and pin missile which were delivered by pokemon that weren't strong enough to really make use of them i had Be pin true. missile on my jolteon and i would occasionally use that against psychics but it was still <laughs> just not that useful oh the horror stories that i've heard from saffron gem and sabrina and people just hitting the brick wall brick wall at that point i don't remember having that much problem with that one but i mean i had one. a i have an overpowered charizard so she just that just slashed through her team <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, this is only really a problem if you're playing against humans. The AI in Pokemon is not sophisticated. No. Oh, yeah, the, the AI is dumb as bricks. Um, I think that that's how uh, Twitch plays Pokemon actually managed to win. It's taking advantage of its dumb AI. And... That sounds about right. Was, oh, yeah, so that was unintentionally broken from the start. <laughs> and then, of course, there was also just the fact that there was only one special stat, so anything that could attack well with special was also good at defending against it, which made it even worse. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I guess that Isn't was done that on purpose what, at the time. It, like, that was on that purpose, was made, it was just ill-considered. Yes. Isn't that what made Mewtwo just so OP? Yeah, basically, the only real... It had the highest special stat in the game. Yep, high special stat. It could make it even better because at the time, Amnesia raised its special, like special, which was attack and defense, not just its special defense. By two stages, oh boy. So yeah, your only best bet against Mewtwo was another Mewtwo, or of course to throw a Master Ball at it. Yeah, <laughs> I capturing the wild one. I know so many people that that's what they use Master Ball on. Yeah, it almost so, seems like that's what they intended you to do. Probably. The one fun little story related to that. In, uh, the very first time I played it, I used the Master Ball on Abra because the stupid things would teleport away. How are you supposed to oh capture those gosh. things? So oh, when no. I got up, so when I got up to Mewtwo, I lost terribly. <laughs> Uh, and it ended up just restarting my game and you know playing another uh, uh, playing it again. <laughs> it's like how oh oh you can just put him to sleep or just wrap him or just throw like an ultra ball at a low level one <laughs> that'll probably be just fine. Heck, even a pokeball if you're just determined enough. Yeah, but, but he's abra. He's cool. He's worth the master ball. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, 
12-year-old me. Or, you know, you could do what I did and um, use the missing note bug to duplicate Master Balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was that was fun when you were in post-game and doing whatever. Jeez. Yeah. Missing no, <laughs> that thing is just like that's gotta be the most the best known glitch in like video gaming history, or at least certainly up there. That was easily the when, thing that made people, everything I've else seen, sound more plausible. I've seen people make Perler Sports Health famous. That thing is yes. So so yeah, just to go on to that a little bit. Missing no is an error handler which can come up when you pull up like the game's internal index for a Pokemon that doesn't exist. Uh, one of those previously mentioned, like, 151 to 190 that might have been programmed in, but weren't actually there. And the way that this happened, like, the, the set of instructions was so specific because it was so, like... It, like, it, it was fascinating when I finally found out, like, what actually caused those specific instructions to work, if we want to go over that a bit. Yeah, oh God. yeah. So, the, the way the, the traditional method of finding Missing No was to go to uh, the tutorial for catching Pokemon, where an old man would show you how to catch a Weedle as many times as you asked for some reason. <laughs> then you would fly to Cinnabar Island, and right uh, on the coast right next to it, you would go up and down and up and down, and there would be a horrible glitched out mess of sprites and objects uh, with a completely impronounceable name. <laughs> And I mean, it could be that or could just say missing nose, either M block or missing nose. I always on. got M blocks, but yeah. It depends uh, on your name. But again, yeah, because like, <laughs> so the reason it depends on your name is that when the game shows you the tutorial, you're not playing as your character. Uh, you're not seeing your character from behind the back. You're seeing this old man. So it stores your name, which is being overwritten by old man in the encounter data space, which is supposed to be overwritten when you next reach an encounter, like an area that you can get in an encounter. But because Cinnabar Island's, like the first uh, tile of ocean right next to Cinnabar Island does not have encounter data, it reads your name as encounter data and you get missing nose. Yes, it's probably not supposed to have encounter data either. It was just a, apparently an ocean. Yeah, it's just supposed to be part of the town, so they didn't think about it. Like, that place is like a Whoops. weird, glitchy wonderland, too, because you could also run into... It, it was the only way I could capture Pokemon in the Safari Zone. Like, it yeah. was really rare ones, like Chansey and Scyther, cause those, and Can, because those, those would run away like as soon as you did anything to them in the Safari Zone. Yeah, you could, so like that's feeding off that same glitch where you're just like you're just not altering the encounter data yeah. and it's reading it. Yeah. You could also find Pokemon above level 100 or other glitches or glitch trainers. And heck, the only glitch I encountered other than I guess the, the ghost type thing was if you approach the gym from that side, uh, the Cinnabar Island gym, and you didn't have the key, uh, you would an old man who was on the island would seemingly jump to the roof and. <laughs> I, I thought he might have been talking to me because it says, like, the door is locked. And I thought, is that guy telling it to me? <laughs> like, what are you doing on the roof? <laughs> Stay out. Door's locked. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's like the only glitch that I didn't, like, find out about from school or from the internet. I had a friend who actually, uh, who, like, he had a propensity for just telling video game tall tales. So I did not believe him the first time he brought up missing no. <laughs> so that was a weird experience when that turned out to be true. <laughs> But the the other thing was that when he got when he first got that he ran into like a level two hundred Snorlax and wasted his Master Ball on that <laughs> level two hundred. Then he used Did it in a fight and turned back to level one hundred. Oh, 
Yeah, they'll do and that. And talking about Snorlax, you're giving me damn specs trying to catch that ass. Oh, oh my god, that thing was such a pain. You used to love Snorlax, though. That being said, uh, uh, th that glitch that was a great way to power level in game. <laughs> Listen, the power level strategy is always just putting rare candies in the sixth slot because for some, I forget what the reasoning is, but missing no overwrites item data in the like sixth slot. Yes, and I, I think it basically adds 128 to that slot. It, it has something to do again with like data sharing and what's being read out of things yeah, that should be read. Exactly. <laughs> That's that. Because of the. E the EVIV, well, I know it's because of the EVIV thing now, but back then people told me, like, don't level your Pokemon using rare candies. They won't be as strong. And I believed that stuff. So I was too scared to do, I was too scared to do that. And I was too scared to do the trading oh, to the, uh, get, uh, to level Pokemon trip. faster. Oh, wait, no, oh, you mean, okay, something else. No, I mean, like, the, the EXP bonus when you trade a Pokemon. Yeah, trade uh, Pokemon, okay. just get grow faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Because that was another a tradition that's a tradition that continues. The the other thing that I did that was that apparently the early game had the experience that worked like how it works now. It, yeah, it was called the EXP All, and it was really obnoxious because it had to scroll through how much uh, EXP you got each time. Uh, for each Pokemon, uh, at, the, at that text scroll speed, <laughs> it took forever. Yeah, you could, it wasn't that handy. Yeah, you could miss that, I think, too. It was kind of out of the way. I used it a bit, but it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I just wish it would stop. And then, of course, that was also, the inventories were super limited in this game, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. You, you had, like, 20 spaces, <laughs> and one of them being taken up by this EXP all. Sorry, this is going back in the PC. Uh, it, but I remember it also being very frustrating that you had to go manually switch your box or else, oh, that rare Pokemon, it's not getting caught because it's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was always fun. Just like, I hope you saved your game. <laughs> I was always so, very careful about that. I mean, needless to say, the original game did not and has not aged well. Which, yeah. I mean, which is probably why they remade it when the Game Boy Advance generation came out, not only because it hadn't aged well, but because they couldn't bring any of that data forward when the advanced generation came out. So let's talk about Fire Red Screen, because I remember wanting this game so bad just so that I could get classic Pokemon, but with modern sensibilities like uh, holding items and being able to see how much EXP you need and all of that stuff. So let's talk about Fire Red and Leaf Green, which I, I at the time I thought was the best Pokemon game of all time until they released uh, <laughs> Ruby, Alpha, and Omega. Yes, I was a little more lukewarm on them. I didn't at the time. I didn't see the reason to remake these games that were only ten years old at the time. Just like oh yeah, they were I mean, only I, five years old at the time. <laughs> and uh, but I mean I did get them eventually because I did want to complete my Pokedex, and at the time that was the only way to get a lot of missing. Pokemon from uh, Ruby and Sapphire. I know I took a bit of a, I, I took kind of went a bit of a hi hiatus.
just playing them. I, I stopped at some point and got distracted by other games, but right before I think fourth generation came out, I said, okay, I'll finish these up. <laughs> and I did. Like, they're they're nice little games to be sure, Fire Red and Leaf Green. As the name implies, they went back to the old red and green names instead of calling it Water Blue or something for the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, uh, yeah, lots of re- features that we got used to. Uh, abilities, nature, the female trainer option, breeding, held items, the steel and dark types were added, and the moves that had those types were upgraded, of course. Bite was no longer normal, it was dark and all that, uh, so that was nice. And you could get the Pokemon above 151 in them by trading them over, and some of them did show up in the wild in a completely brand new area, the Sevi Islands, uh, which you could, while you could visit the first three islands before after getting the Volcano Badge, you could really only unlock the rest of them after beating the game. And I forgot, could you not breed until after you beat the game? Yes, you had to beat the game, and I believe the uh, you couldn't use that Pokemon nursery that is um, south of Ceruleum City. You had to do it at a nursery there on the Sevi Islands if you wanted to breed them. Ah. I mean, you could fly there, I think, after you visited there, but you did have to wait. Yeah, but, that's and, what I thought. And you had to go through, like, this long quest to get these items, the ruby and the sapphire, so you could trade with ruby and sapphire and eventually emerald. Uh, what's other other minor things like uh, Team Rocket? You when, after you beat them in the main story, they showed up again on the Sevi Islands, causing some trouble. And that was the first time they hinted that the rival in Gold and Silver, uh, I believe, just uh, official name Silver, is Giovanni's son, which was only confirmed a few years late, some years later after that, because they're just like, huh, "Who are you, kid? Like, are you Giovanni's son? No, your his son has red hair." And like, and uh, what else? Fire Red and Leaf Green. You could rebattle trainers using the Versus Seeker. They had these neat little still images whenever you entered a dungeon. That I don't think the series ever did again after that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're fine little games. I wasn't very excited for them at the time. I mostly did them for Pokedex completion purposes, but they're nice. Yeah, I kind of bounced yeah. off the remakes, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, but th- I think that has to do s- that has more to do with my experience. Like I really burnt myself out of the series for a long, long time collecting them all in the original. Spent years persuading this man to play new Pokemon. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I I tried them all. And they just kind of it just kind of bounced off all of them because I was like, well, am I going to do this whole thing again? Like, how do I play this without doing that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some... uh, I went, sorry, I went nuts and I collected them all in, the, in those two versions. Oh um, my god. Third, well, third oh. generation. Yes, uh, I, I I did manage to complete the Pokedex in the first generation, if only because I could, I traded a Mew that I'm pretty sure was Game Sharked, but I didn't completely care. <laughs> I didn't really care at the time. Uh, unfortunately, I, did... I didn't get... Oh, sorry. I didn't get my Mew until like 2006 at a Toys R Us. Yeah, well, that Mew is forever gone, (laughs) deleted from existence by a dead save battery, so. (laughs) Yeah, the poor, all those poor Pokemon that were killed by save batteries, RIP, press F. I actually managed to save my save data. I got one of those uh, Retron systems, the one that lets you play Game Boys, and it lets you pull your saves off your cartridges. So I have my Game Boy save safely stored on an SD card. Uh, Yeah, no, too late for my... 
Too yeah. late for red. Also too late for my gold version and my crystal version. Those are also gone. I, say, I, I, I haven't sure my save battery yet at this point. It's been a hot minute since I've even looked at any of those games. Because as soon as those games came to the eShop on the virtual console, I bought those versions and never looked back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not having played the originals... Like I'm very much, you know, gone past the gym or two when I was emulating. I I dove right into these because I had played um, Gold and Silver then in the meantime. And when these came out for the Game Boy Advance, I was like, yes. And I got a second Game Boy Advance and was able to trade back and forth. And I it's the only game I've ever collected them all in. Um, got all 150. And I'm trying to remember, is it this or was it um, Sapphire and stuff? Um, when you traded with someone in these, did the other person you traded with, did they pop up on the TV every now and then? Uh, that was a Ruby Sapphire. Yeah, Ruby and okay, Sapphire. So and I Ruby assume Sapphire. Emerald. Okay. I never played Emerald. Okay. So that, that, that was the one I had a humorous story about, but I won't go into that because I, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot to mention that um, Fire Red and Leaf Green came with wireless uh, trading accessories. Yes. So, and the whole idea was that you're supposed to, like, play with all your friends and just have, like, a huge wireless party, which, you know, back then was, wasn't really a thing because I was in college and nobody else played Pokemon. So, I pretty much yeah, I, I one used... wireless trader on my GameCube Game Boy player. Yeah, I, I used it a little bit with my sister. Uh, I, I got Leaf Green, actually, and she got Fire Red at the time and uh, didn't really use it much even then. <laughs> she was already starting to fall off Pokemon. <laughs> It was such a neat idea, though, and you could tell that they were that they were kind of tinkering with that to bring it forward into the Nintendo DS. Yes, yes, that's definitely. Uh, I think they even admitted it mu- as much in interviews that they used the remake as a you know a means to experiment with that with wireless communication, mm-hmm. which I. So I think cool when Nintendo or was it Nintendo or Game Freak that kind of tinkered? Uh, I guess well, Game I get well Game Freak developed the game. Maybe Nintendo asked them to do it. I'm not completely exactly sure. Yeah, but that that always amuses me when um, games kind of beget features like Dragon Quest Nine and Street Pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I kind of accidentally jumped out a little bit because we did skip over talking about a game, uh, Pokemon Yellow Special Pikachu Edition. Uh, what if you could live the anime, but not that closely? <laughs> yeah. What if yeah, you could live the anime, cool. but not really? You can. You get all the starters, though, so that's what matters. Yeah, that that's the special thing about Special Pikachu Edition, because most people aren't willing to trade their starters. For some reason. I, I use the cloning glitch, but I guess that's something else. Didn't and yeah, you, st- you start out with a Pikachu in that one. He follows you around. You get to fight Jesse and James. And I want to say that's pretty much it. That's that's mostly it. And the addition of the collectible starters. They did a cute uh, sort of feature with the Pikachu. If you, for whatever reason, traded it up to gold and silver, there was a feature that made it so that it was uh, like using that same thing I was talking about a while ago. Uh, they set its catch rate so that it was holding a, a uh, light ball. Probably. That's like, yes, P- Pikachu's special item. Yeah, so that was that was kind of a cute idea that like, oh, your Pikachu was holding a light bulb the whole, light ball the whole time and you just didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
And uh, at least I, I never played yellow, but I just I, I know like it has like this very digitized, uh, you know, Pikachu's voice from the anime that whenever you talk to Pikachu, it would you know say it's me. <laughs> it also had a surfing Pikachu minigame, which was oh, important yes. to me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the way to get that surfing Pikachu might get I think we'll get into that a little later, but that involved Pokemon Stadium. Or I think you could also just get it as a special giveaway from Nintendo at the time. Yeah, there was definitely giveaways. I oh, the oh, the the stadium. You have to do a lot of stadium to get that. Talking about talking about Pokemon games getting features. The, the idea of being able to transfer your Game Boy Pokemon into a Nintendo sixty four game back then just fascinated me. And it's it sucked that Pokemon Stadium was such a hard game, and I got into it so late because I really wanted to like hyper train my own pokemon to play through that game but man that game was hard uh, yes it there was. wasn't a lot to it other than fighting so they kind of had to make it hard <laughs> yeah but you can play your game but, boy you know, games back on then, the screen except it's just pokemon games yes and you, we can play that double and was it was it tri- triple speed in stadium one yeah well? it was doduo and dodrio speed yeah, yeah that was fun and, I forgot, didn't, wasn't Stadium 1, Stadium 2 in Japan? Oh, okay, so, yes. (laughs) The first version of Stadium only had, like, a limited number of Pokemon, and then Stadium 2 had all 151. (laughs) But we got Stadium 2, because it seems, as Stadium 1, because I guess having the original version was kind of redundant, plus the models looked a little uglier in that game. From, From what accounts I heard, the original Stadium was not really intended as, like, a thing you would sell to people. It was, like, a thing for competition, like, hey, look at the, since we're doing, like, this Pokemon tournament, here's the 3D Pokemon fighting each other on screen, and other people can see it, it's not on a Game Boy. But, like, and, people and wanted that when they saw then, it, so... Because po- <laughs> mm-hmm. back then, seeing the Pokemon in 3D was, like, mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. I, that's what really prompted it, me and begged my parents to get a Nintendo 64, was Pokemon Stadium. I wanted that game very badly, because it's like, oh, they're in and 3D. And they're just like, they're just like a $50 for a used one, as long as you keep up your schoolwork. <laughs> but it was... It was I, long... I ended up... Okay. No, you go. Oh. Okay, I, I ended up picking up my Pokemon Stadium and a transfer pack for like 20 bucks in an EB Games. Yeah, it got very uh, cheap. Way, way back in the day, like when they were kind of blowing all that stuff out for the PS2 and GameCube and all that. Uh, I think uh, St- Stadium is one of those franchises that can kind of never come back because no. its entire novelty was 3D Pokemon. Yeah, basically. And yeah, you had like the uh, Battle Tower they... and equivalents thereof for difficult battles. Pokemon Virtual and, Stadium. I mean, they kind of tried to bring it back with like Coliseum and um, XD, but those ones uh, just well. were... And even after that, you had Battle Revolution for Generation 4, but yeah, it never came back <laughs> yeah. after Battle Revolution. Coliseum and XD, not to get too much onto those, but those were very much like, they were trying to split the difference between being Stadium 3 and 4 and being actual games, and they're kind of in an uncomfortable middle. But... I, I really enjoyed Stadium, or Coliseum and XD, and I really liked the story mode and the idea of you were purifying Pokemon, or like, you know, basically taking them from trainers. But then my husband pointed out, it's like, you know, that's still kind of bad that you're taking Pokemon from other people, <laughs> even the, just because you don't agree with how they're being raised. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of a fair point. <laughs> and if they, br- they brought that back in uh, Go, because now yeah. you, you can... Yeah, Team you can Rocket... Get- yeah, Team, Team Rocket, Rocket stole Cypher's idea. 
Listen, listen. Let's be real. You're basically just your self-appointed animal, uh, an, like animal protection. Animal rights activist. Yeah, like you're just self self-appointed, like his brain torture is happening. <laughs> well, and then they it feels like they remade um Red and Blue recently on the Switch with the Let's Go series, which is kind of an interesting blend between OG Red and Blue and uh I wanna say or Pokemon Go with how you catch them. Yeah. And I yellow, do. I guess with especially with Pikachu it was probably a little closer yeah. to yellow. I do not like those games blue. very much. <laughs> Let me tell you the ways cow. I do not like those games. <laughs> because you're a cow. I remember watching Wheels stream this game at one point during one of the Q&A quests I was on. And I was like, oh, dear God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that. Yeah. The, the one feature I love is that you could play co-op, which is great for little kids. But the idea of keeping like this old old school structure of like the dungeons and like the frequency of not random encounters, but just encounters. But they're not actual battles. You're just throwing balls at things it just did it, it doesn't work it doesn't work maybe if you were better no, at dodging it down I, <laughs> and honestly the only I reason wonder. i got it is because of what wheels just said um middle of last summer i was like trying to get my son to play uh sun and moon and he was he didn't have really any interest he, he really loved all the cards we were had and everything and just didn't want to do it and finally i was like all right i know this has co-op i'm gonna bite the bullet and buy it and over the course of like three weeks we played about an hour a day and he loved it we, you know doing it together doing the battles together um and that got him then interested he sat down and played sun and moon for 10 hours until one day he kneeled on the power button and got mad that he lost two hours of progress and never touched it again. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, don't I was like, blame him. dude, I we've all been there, man. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it was definitely the, that gateway between that and the uh, card game that now he's put 130 hours into Pokemon Shield. So, you know, it, it you know, works it's funny for that. You say that. It's funny you say that because I feel like Let's Go was kind of a test kitchen for Shield because it did it, Shield did include a lot of features from Let's Go, like being able to access the box everywhere yeah. and being able to mm -hmm. level, level Pokemon with candies. Yeah. So what uh, sucks is you know the way that you catch them and that it's pretty much Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, with, with the uh, using the motion controls the waggles which is really fun when you're sitting on your couch you have a cat in your lap and your cat's like getting mad because he's not, not you're not sitting still yeah no i i, I don't want to on the head with the remote i, I don't want to bash them too much because there were a lot of nice features in there but it was just it just i don't know they they wanted to i guess to bring in the pokemon go audience but i don't think they needed to do it like that. I don't think it was necessary. I thought they were I, a fun side. I, I love the, I, I love the crap out of the game. I'm around a hundred hours into it, and I completed that game's Pokedex, and I enjoyed what I played. But I can understand veterans of the series kind of not liking it, especially after a while. Just, you know, did I just you beat all the master trainers? A <laughs> I I did not. Just oh. I don't I've got a friend who a did, and I cannot believe he did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do that either. Insane. Yeah. Well, I, I guess... level of insanity there. 
Mm-hmm. I guess part of it is probably what I mentioned before, too, is how I got burned out of the original game. Going, going back to it for a third time was not not pleasant. <laughs> I, I think that game got a lot of us old school fans in our nostalgia goggles because, you know, I'm sure we all freaked out seeing the original game that we grew up with and loved in full 3D uh, oh, HD it- with sprites and stuff. And, you know, we were we're wanting to give it a shot for a lot of people yeah but i mean i i had just come off like the joy of sun and moon and finally like finding my way back into the series and that was kind of the opposite of what i personally was looking for at the time (laughs) i wanted like more new and fresh i did not want the original 150 again but yeah i i totally understand how a lot of people that was like just pure nostalgic joy a lot of the target audience for pokemon by that stage also had not actually been born when the last version of red and blue had come out so it's true true that's true Mm -hmm. yeah i'll tell you what i think my proudest moments were the times that i fell asleep playing it and i'd wake up my son had beaten another gym (laughs) he's like i took your controller you were asleep i beat this gym like it's it's very much a Good job. <laughs> it's it's very much a thing that like we we're you know at a range of people all way older than the target audience. Like Pokemon, part of the reason for its longevity is that it never attempted to chase us. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like no, there is always a fresh crop of ten year olds. <laughs> yep, and we stick with it sometimes in spite of that. Correct. I- I mean, yeah, I mean, I did enjoy my time. Uh, Sorry, let's go, Pikachu. Um, I mean, I wasn't enthusiastic about it. I beat it. I caught all the 153 in this case uh, because it introduces two completely brand new Pokemon that don't show up, that only show up. They can were introduced there, although you really need Pokemon Go to get them. Meltan and Melmetal. And officially, they are recognized as being from an unknown region, if you want to wrap your head around that. (laughs) I never got Meltan and Melt Metal from that game. I think I got it from Pokemon all places. Like you do need to, it's you, you need Pokemon Go, uh, but I think you need the in, the interconnectivity really between Go and Let's Go in order to like transfer Meltan to later games, which I guess right now is only Sword and Shield. Okay, it, it was all, that was frustrating the hell out of me after I finished my Living Pokedex and Sword and Shield because that one spot there with those two and i just did not have the means to get those two at the time hmm. <sighs> and that's i mean that's like uh, the only new pokemon they those are the only two new pokemon in let's go and in fact they they didn't have anything beyond the original 151 in those two uh, i think some evidence in the data suggests they were going to program more but i guess they decided now nah, never mind well they did have the uh alolan variants at least yes. And you could also that. mega evolve mm-hmm. the, uh, the the Pokemon. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yes. Yeah, my son loved that. So I imagine that nobody thrilled for uh, if they announced Let's Go Johto on the 25th anniversary. Uh, I, I would I would be because I have yet to play through any version of Gold and Silver. <laughs> oh, ouch! I mean, I'd be happy to play them again. It's been uh, a very I long mean, time. Yeah. I would yes, prefer I, I would do Gen it. 4 remakes, uh, if I may be I fair. Think a, I, I think a Gen 4 remake is honestly more likely at this stage. Yeah, the, that's one yeah. of the many, many games I bounced off of, <laughs> those Gen 4. Gen uh, 4 had some rough going, but that's a different discussion. Combat was very slow for up until black and white. They, they 
smoothed it out, right? Black and white specifically set out to be faster, which yeah. was... Uh, oh, so you talk about the original 151. Did anybody spend $50 on that Pokeball just to get Mew? Oh, of course not. I mean, I, I gave it to my uh, niece as a gift with uh, Let's Go Eevee. Uh, I got it <laughs> not, not, not to get Mew, but for the novelty of having that as a controller, which is actually really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's really cool. I mean, to me, it was a win-win Pokemon controller yeah. and view, and I found I did find that that controller was a little more ergonomic to try to control to throw the balls mm. instead of you know mm. using the Wiimote that I clunk my cat with on the head. <laughs> but uh, my husband and I brought our Poke brought our Pokeballs to the movie theater that night that that game came out because I think Wreck-It Ralph two came out and. We had but both kind of had it in our hands, and people were staring at us like, "What? What are you two holding?" <laughs> and and yeah, it, it was funny. I still have that ball, but my cat keeps pulling it out of my switch bag, so I have to. <laughs> I keep having to put it put it up. And I bought a Pokeball Christmas ornament that it's like the exact same shape and weight. It's like almost like they used the exact same mold and just didn't put the electronics in it, <laughs> which is kind of funny to me. Maybe they have that for just the Pokeball, you know, <laughs> shaped items in general. Yeah, we bought that ornament. It's like, heck, I should have just gotten my Pokeball Plus to use in an ornament. It's the same size <laughs> and everything. So it was nice to uh, use um, as a controller? That, I didn't mind to use as a controller. Um, it, it was kind of a pain to remember the orientation, though. Uh, I, I got. I, I feel like I got burned playing with a slime on my PS2 and was like, no, never again. <laughs> Am I buying some weird-looking controller? <laughs> no, it's not. It doesn't turn. In, it doesn't eventually turn into slime like the slime. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yours and mine both. Yeah. It was nice playing one-handed, though. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I think we've covered, you know, the original game and the spinoffs and stuff. I think we're going to take just a quick break to, you know, get some water and then come back and tell everyone about our favorite Pokemon memories. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Good for me. Alrighty, we'll be right back. our favorite Pokemon memories, which, man, we got 25 years of memories to dig from. I, I was originally going to go with the theme, but then, like, you know, what's, what's 25 years? What's your favorite Pokemon? So, um, Wheels, how about you start? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I, I unfortunately part myself out of the series for a long time, but, I mean, a lot of my favorite memories just revolve around... Um, enjoying Pokemon with siblings. I mean, to this day, it's still something we kind of enjoy together. My brother is big on collecting the cards, so he gives me all the codes, because I'm big on playing the actual card game online, so it's kind of a win-win for both of us. Um, but I think really my the one of my most recent endearing memories, aside from just getting to play Pokemon stuff with my kids, would be firing up sun and moon for the first time because you know it's obviously a series i was really really into in the late 90s and had just could not find a way to get back into it for so long and just firing up that that intro kind of just pulled me in right away and, and 
kind of that was it and I was back in and uh, I think for that it's going to take a lot to top Sun and Moon as my favorite Pokemon game that game really just grabbed me and to the point where <laughs> I have collected uh, like the Japanese version of the game uh, like every version of that game just yeah anything involving Sun and Moon is my favorite memory <laughs> I'm going to jump in with mine because I kind of have a similar path to where um, I, I'm sorry Cassandra, but black, black and white were not my favorites. At that point, I was very burned out. Mm -hmm. I, I'm saying sorry because I know that those two are your favorites. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, um, I Something about black and white just did not grab me. I was like, you know, I, I'm finally too old for this. They're my favorites too, so when you then, are now blood on Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but then, you know, we go, we go to GameStop and when X and Y came out and the guy at GameStop was like, look, you guys have got to try X and Y. They've done so much cool stuff. Like you have the experience share, you have all the, ex you can get all the experience now, not just have it on like two different people or two different Pokemon and the online is really awesome and stuff like that. And it was, and my husband and I were like, huh. Okay, I guess we'll bite. So he bought Y and I bought X, and we got home that night and started playing it. And we ended up staying up pretty much all night, just laying on the couch, <laughs> playing Pokemon, watching movies. And the most funny memory of that was my husband going, Oh, well, lady, so cute. And I'd never heard him have that tone of voice. <laughs> then we were getting married the next month. And I was like, Oh my God, that's adorable! And Ladybug's favorite Pokemon, and it's just such a fun little time sitting there uh, on the couch with him playing Pokemon all night, and uh, knowing that I was gonna marry the man that was gonna be like my Pokemon partner for the rest of my life. <laughs> Aww. Oh boy, I almost don't uh, want to share it's my why memory I, after that. <laughs> it, it's kind of why X and Y kind of have a special heart place in my heart, even though yeah, the story wasn't that great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but still. Uh, I just want to say X and Y almost got me back in, but I had to force myself to finish those games. So, but yeah, X and Y are really good. Okay, Matt. Well, I will uh, try I to take this. That. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go like 180. I mean, I'll I'll go a little bit with that. I, getting my son into this into Pokemon um, has been really fun over like the last 14 months. Um, Bought them. We've got six um, decks, the theme decks, uh, a year ago, Christmas, Christmas of uh, 2019. And now we're up to, I think we've got 42, 44 different theme decks. Um, I think maybe four or five of them we've built ourselves just from ordering individual cards and whatnot. But that's been fun. And last year, my oldest son had off Veterans Day, but he didn't go to the same school I do. We didn't have off Veterans Day, so I had to take the day off to sit home with him. And that's the day I gave him Sword and Shield and or I gave him shield and sat down. I played for an hour and he just started pushing me away and just like played most of the day away with it. And by the end of the day, I had ordered my own copy of sword <laughs> and because of the price, Amazon, like I was looking around noon. I'm like, man, maybe I should get sword. And Amazon's like, you know, if you order in the next like eight minutes, you can have it by 5 PM. And I was like, Oh geez. Yes. Yes. Just go ahead and get it. So, I mean, that that's my, my, 
most recent favorite memory. That'll be the nostalgic one. But the the one that like really gets to me all the time is it was back with Ruby and Sapphire. If you traded with another trainer, um, whoever you traded with would pop up in the news on the games that you traded them to. So wanting to try to get as many of the Pokemon as possible, I had I'd bought both games, Ruby and Sapphire. And on the after trading a starter or two and seeing like, hey, Matt 2 or Matt 3's name pop up and the way it was used, I decided to name the last one I traded with, um, all lowercase letters, an ass. A-N space ass. <laughs> so, like, I would get updates on my game from the other one. And it would be like, I'd go watch the TV. It was like, hey, an ass just beat a trainer the other day <laughs> over in this city. And just seeing that so many times, I, I never not could never not laugh at myself i mean completely juvenile i was probably like 25 years old at that point but yes that that was that is one of my favorite memories is the naming conventions and what it let you do back then probably all that stuff is now you can't name things like that but i don't know if they've got content filters no, i think they do or i think yeah, it can't show up online do, stuff yeah probably because i i tried to name my mudbray um well, I had one one mudbray that I named Kinky Kelly, which is hilarious because that's my first name. And then I tried to name another one Sexy Stud, and it wouldn't let me do sexy. Mm. Uh, but both references to Clerks too, I might add. Um, <laughs> yeah, those cut the content filters are annoying. But yeah, I could name my Alohan Persian Arse Face. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Arse wasn't region locked. <laughs> I guess not. Let's see, um, I don't think we've hit Cassandra yet, have we? Okay, so uh, I mean, the memory I, I wrote down was for first generation. I think I'll just mix in some of the because Stadium's also involved. Uh, so uh, in order to get Mew, as I mentioned before, I had traded with a friend of a friend's. Uh, he traded it with his friend with a Mew that I'm that was duplicated because to go into briefly there is a, a glitch to duplicate pokemon in the game you had to while trading turn off one game right before it's saved so you can duplicate one pokemon you had to time it right or else you duplicate the wrong pokemon or you could i think even corrupt the save if you weren't careful uh but i had traded for a surfing pikachu which i obtained through pokemon stadium the way to get surfing pikachu is that you you have to take one of your own pokemon from one of the games your own pikachu of course take it through uh pokemon stadium the prime cup which was and i think it was like the the harder version of prime cup too uh which had featured level 100 pokemon and very powerful trainers uh you had to get through there without using any continues so you couldn't get all of your Pokemon knocked out and you to continue. And your Pikachu had to be in every battle, it had to be one of your three Pokemon. So I went and did that. And I actually almost lost because I came up to this gambler trainer that had Pokemon that had one hit KOs. I thought I could maybe cheese my way through it because I had Mewtwo and just used Mewtwo in basically every battle. But it, his Nidoqueen got a lucky hit on Mewtwo and one hit KO with a horn drill. I used a Gyarados and the Nidoqueen what hit KO the Gyarados. So all I had left was the level 25 Pikachu was going to turn into a surfing Pikachu. I thought, <laughs> okay, great. I'm at a loss. But the Needle Queen had actually survived by Mewtwo's Psychic. It was down to one HP, I think. And it was his last Pokemon. 
and the Pikachu had Quick Attack. So I used Quick Attack, and thankfully, I, I think Quick Attack has a mild chance of missing. I'm not completely sure. Or maybe it's 100, I don't know. But either way, it connected and knocked it out, and I could continue. And I just felt so, so relieved that I was like the greatest battle I ever had at that time. <laughs> so eventually, I finished the Prime Cup. The P that Pikachu became a surfing Pikachu. And so I would duplicate that surfing Pikachu to give to my sister, my friend, and this friend would trade with his friend for the Mew. So I could finally get Mew to say I had all 151 Pokemon and I also played with my friend's yellow version so I could play the surfing mini game since I never did get yellow on my own. So yeah, just some fun times for sure. Fun times. Man, I would have cried at that point if I would have uh, got knocked out. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, ugh, like no continues. You have to force yourself to Pikachu and it's probably underleveled. <laughs> and quick, quick Attack has saved my ass a couple of times in some of those uh, some of the harder fights too. But that that was on a Zangus, <laughs> which is why Zangus is one of my favorite to this very day. Nice. Mm. And then I, I I was only thinking that because of your ferret cat, <laughs> <laughs> and which is weird because mongoose uh, mongooses or mongoose are actually not related to ferrets. Not all that. But I guess yeah. Uh, Zangoose is the cat ferret Pokemon. So there we go. Yeah. Oh, I do have cats. I wish I had ferrets, but not so much. <laughs> or rather, I can't can't have them because I'm allergic to the batting. Uh -huh. But um, lastly, we've got David. What was your favorite Pokemon memory? Uh, I guess, uh, I will mention memories that I consider positive before I worry about ones I would consider, uh, less positive. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, the, I've mentioned this one on Q&A Quest a number of times, but, uh, Pokemon Blue was the first time that I played a game and realized how much of my life it had eaten. Uh, because I looked at a save file that had rolled over a hundred hours and eight or nine year old me looked at that and said, I've spent more than four days playing this video game. That's a little concerning. <laughs> it would never stop me, but I did think about that. Uh, as for, uh, my non red and blue memory that sticks out, uh, I guess, uh, as part of why black and white are my favorites, uh, it was nice to, in like 2011-ish, when I got around to those, uh, to play a Pokemon game and have to use nothing but Pokemon that I had never seen before. And I hadn't had that experience since Red and Blue, and that was an incredible experience that I don't think I'll ever get again. And so that was a really positive experience for me. Definitely. A hard agree here. I, especially since they seem to be introducing fewer Pokemon these days. They're introducing fewer Pokemon and just like, it's it's hard. That is the most Pokemon they ever introduced. It's 156. It slightly beats out the originals. Mm -hmm. but... but yeah, that's one major reason Black and White will be my, at least for the time being, my favorites. Yeah. Although Sun and Moon are pretty close. Like, there's a lot of, like, this is not a knock on any of the others. It's just that none of them can recreate that experience of, I have no idea what any of these are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's worth it. And they didn't really leak a whole lot of those new Pokemon when they were in, um, doing the cycle too now it feels like they uh that's all they do is just say which pokemon are going to be in the new one which kind of ruins the surprise well, they if were that, better about the outright so, leak yeah i mean it was better about it for sword and shield but definitely for sun and moon if there was like virtually no surprises when the full games finally came out it's a good thing they were quality games because they were not going to be able to trade on being uh true 
something new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not necessarily something new, but I mean, they were not going to be able to trade on you not having any idea what was in them. Yeah, yeah that's true. Although, I guess they might be able to kind of recreate it with new Pokemon and um, alter and uh, regional forms, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Future game. Yeah, I do like the regional form thing that they've been doing because it, I like the kind of twists on designs that you know and love. Oh, yes. Yeah, so just it, It's an utterly brilliant idea. Makes them feel more like animals, which is exactly. fun. Yeah, they adapted to their local environment, so they're different. And they actually paid off some like really old Pokedex entries when they did stuff like uh, Alolan Executor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, heck, maybe we'll I see just like a... because it, it gives me different... different... Sorry, go, go on. No, sorry. Uh, I, I like it because it gives me different Meowths to collect. <laughs> We've got two of them so far. I can kind of see that just happening every new region. Like, here's the local like, regional if, Meow. If, 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 if we get another... Uh, oh, of course. That, that's what <laughs> makes it so awesome. Uh, like, if we get another Asian-themed one, get maybe a Siamese Meowth, maybe a hairless oh, Sphinx Meowth. Because we already got a fluffy Meowth for... Uh, oh, Galar and Meowth. So, uh, well, I think that's all of our Pokemon memories. It's a series that certainly made an impact on a lot of gamers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a series that's going away anytime soon because phew, Nintendo makes a lot of money from it. How many copies did Sword and Shield sell? I think it's in excess of 20 million at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, how did that boycott turn out for them? Uh, it sold better than the last few. <laughs> Pokemon always oh, sells just, like between just... fourteen and sixteen million. Yes. Other than the the first, uh, the first two will never be defeated. The, I think both of them sold more than twenty million units individually. Yeah, and I think they were even kind of. I think I heard one reason they even. W- came out with Fire Red and Leaf Green was that they were kind of disappointed in the sales of Ruby and Sapphire at the time. Yeah, they kind of, like, leveled off, too. That's kind of the number that they've done ever since. It looks like, yeah, Sword and Shield is the first Pokemon series, uh, the first Pokemon set since Gold and Silver to sell over 20 million units. So Wow. Still flying high. Mm-hmm. And, and just talking the availability, you can still get the OG games on the 3DS eShop. Which yep. is, it's amazing to me that they put them on the eShop, made it so that you could trade with the bank. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> that was, cool. That was probably a lot of extra work. I'm impressed with it. A lot of extra work that they didn't have to do, but man, I'm glad they did, yeah. and I'll bet it paid off in spades for them. Yeah, I think you can still use the Mew glitch in those too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trade. Yeah, I, that's the only the thing Mew that's market. different. Is... <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and that's how I would recommend playing them, to be honest, because just like on eBay, it's like try to find carts that actually work, or carts, <laughs> carts is just thing. And I've, I've seen Pokemon carts going in secondhand stores for like 50 bucks. This is really it's a that, reminder that, of how much uh, scarcity has little correlation compared to just people really loving them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I think that's that a, a lot of for the Pokemon future. I mean, at this point, they're almost like a first-party Nintendo game, um, and for... you know, the, those games. No, nobody ever gets rid of their Mario games. Nobody gets rid of Zelda, and nobody gets rid of Pokemon. I forget what the actual like stake breakdown is of a uh, Pokemon company, but it's a weird num- set of numbers. They would like to remind you that they are not owned by 
Nintendo, though. Uh, Game Freak, especially, who still occasionally puts <laughs> out truly baffling objects like Tembo the Badass Elephant. <laughs> but, and what was that more recent one again? Uh, uh, I think it was Part-Time UFO, or am I thinking... Or was no, that it, it was the... It was a Switch game, and later port, and later was a PS4 version, I think. Uh, and oh, Xbox. you're thinking of Little Town Hero. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it was some life sim, right? Yeah. It's a little RPG. It's a little weird, but it's yeah. A, it's also not a life sim, by the way. No. Oh <laughs> no. It's a very yeah. weird RPG. Yeah, they still make things for other things, although like no one's playing any of them, but they still happen. <laughs> They're cute. A lot of them are quite fun. They, didn't they do a rhythm game for the uh, DS? Harmonite. Harmonite. The 3DS? I think they even had like, some there. references. Yeah, to Pokemon in them, yeah. I never played it, but that's what I heard. Uh, yeah, like I remember playing the demo, and it had the, the bicycle song from like Pokemon Red and Blue. <laughs> so... Yeah, they like they still do things, but like half of them end up being published by Nintendo anyway. But then they'll just be things that you've never heard of or played, like Giga Wrecker. But uh, Pokemon is their bread and butter. Like Pokemon is what keeps them alive. Sure. Uh, some uncertain percentage of them is owned by Nintendo, along with some uncertain percentage of the Pokemon company. Enough that there's no chance of Pokemon ever going anywhere. But Game Freak has allowed its dalliances into other platforms and publishers. Right. So, what are our hopes for the Pokemon future aside from Hone remakes? Uh, Sinnoh remakes, yeah. Let, uh, let's go, Ho. remakes, I'm sorry. Super Nerd let's wants to fight. Let's go, Ho. <laughs> Uh, uh, at least in my case, uh, how about just a story as good and as black and white? I mean, uh, that'd be nice. Did they reach that high and never quite, or at least maybe Sun and Moons? That was, I mean, it wasn't perfect by any, neither was black and whites, I suppose, but. I don't know, it just felt like they've been kind of doing a bit of misses with X and Y and Sword and Shield lately. I feel like the first... Uh, uh, I want to... Go ahead. I'll just get this out of the way. I feel like the first uh, games on any given platform are usually very traditional, and then the second set of games on a given platform are usually a little more adventurous. So. I guess that... Yeah, that would explain, like, yeah. uh, the... Uh, that would... Like, root, like um, not Ruby... Uh, Diamond, Pearl, Platinum... Diamond, Pearl, and Black, then, White. Black and White. Uh, that, that, X, Y, and Sun, Moon... Uh, I would suspect Gen 9 will probably be closer to what you're looking for. Well then, I, I sure hope so. Yeah, I, I definitely want them to adopt a more sun and moon model where instead of, you know, gems, it, it's challenges because that's what I loved about sun and moon is that it, yes. it shook it up just enough that that game did not feel stale at all. And, and also um, more starters that are cats. That's all the stuff <laughs> best. They, well, they can't be fire types unless they decide to make one of them the cat that was excluded from the zodiac. <laughs> Listen, I always take the grass type, and that hurt me because I like I love cats, but I always take the grass type, and Rowlet was a good consolation prize. I mean, this should, a grass cat might work, maybe. I would I would play a grass cat. I would maybe love like that. a like a Smilodon saber tooth cat with wood like what large wooden or thorn teeth or something. That'd be fun. <laughs> I like that idea. Should I name him George Washington? <laughs> See, having the <laughs> having the cat starter burned me because whenever I replay a Pokemon, I always pick try to pick whatever starter I didn't pick that time around. This time it's like no, I have to pick the cat every time because that's my brand. That's my thing. I I'm the cat person. I have to have the cat <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> also, I, I'm a big one of the wrestler. few people that yeah, I, I'm one of the few people that loves Incineroar. I have his amiibo sitting right here on my desk, and he's the best amiibo. Okay, I like Incineroar. I mean, I like yeah, other fire. wrong with him. I like him. There was a lot of hate for Incineroar. When yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so and people complaining hate. that it's like another bipedal fire type. Hey, at least. He wasn't firefighting like people thought yes. he was going to be. <laughs> That's true. That would have been that was actually too many clever. times. That would be kind of clever. A dark type because it's a wrestling heel. Yeah. yeah. Listen, he's a good boy yeah, outside like, that, but he's a heel. <laughs> and I think that they made him like that just so that he could be in Smash, which he is OP in Smash. Oh, but we're, we're getting off track now. I think we're going to put a bow on this, Matt. We've had a lot of Pokemon talking. I, I could talk Pokemon all night. It's it's one of my favorite series of all time. It, yeah, There'll be plenty like, of excuses. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, same here. And as I said, I don't. I wouldn't probably be working for this site, or at least I don't know. I'd had a very different life if I didn't come across Pokemon at that such a young, tender age. Very first RPG. I mean, I mean Pokemon wasn't life changing for me, but it was certainly one of those series that kind of kept kept me going through tough times, mm-hmm. particularly. Purely um, Ruby and Sapphire, which is why those two are my favorite in the series. Aww. Pokemon ate my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. and a lot of other kids, according uh-huh. to parents. We didn't even we didn't even get into how hostile para- uh, adults <laughs> were back when Pokemon oh, came out. It seemed like that that South Park episode just kind of said it all about what adults thought of Pokemon. Oh, man. My parents were pretty I, cool with it for some reason. Yeah, I lucked out with good parents. They, they, I think they bought us the cards before we even asked. Yeah, I mean, my mom was fine with it. My dad got kind of annoyed when we would watch the anime on like the TV in the living room when he wanted to watch, but otherwise, eh, they didn't mind it. Yeah, my, my parents didn't care, but it seemed like a lot of my other friends' parents was like, oh my god, that, that show's so stupid. Why are you watching it? And just hearing the, the adults complain about it on the radio, it's like, I like a lot of kids shows, but that Pokemon is just too much for me. <laughs> Not a baffling. Yeah. It was weird to me. Yeah. And, and here and... I am, like, yesterday realizing that, what is it, I think uh, there's three seasons of Pokemon, the X, Y, X, Y, Z, and another one on Hulu. And I was like, guess what, kids? <laughs> another three seasons. Another 150, 180 episodes for you to watch. And being not, not and sitting have, down and watching it I myself, but being anime. excited for them. No, I don't watch it. I'll, I mean, I'll see some episodes when they're watching it, but no, they they know how to work the remotes. <laughs> the current run's pretty fun. I have seen a few of the uh, current ones. I, I do like the yeah. newest theme song. Yeah, but I, I definitely love the Sun and Moon run. It had a lot more uh, humor in it. It's pretty fun. I will say that that was a good one. That is what my kids started with. I think that one's on Netflix. Like, gosh, a hundred and some odd episodes of it. Yeah. That whole run. And and Ash finally gets his win. <laughs> <laughs> Retired After the After so many won. years. <laughs> and he's still 10, apparently. He's almost out. like no time has passed for him. Simpson. Simpson will be 10 forever in our hearts. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess we will see you probably. I guess we'll probably bring up Pokemon again later in the year when we do a uh, Sun and Moon episode because that's definitely on the docket. Um, mm. Probably closer to September, or around November when it originally released. 
kind of give people the time frame. Sounds and good. probably we'll have a new one by then. Maybe yeah. you, the listener, one will, will be have out known about this. Or at least it's Let's come go, ho-ho. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but do you so, want to put a bow on this one, Matt? Yes. I will just like to remind everyone that you can travel across the land, searching far and wide, each Pokemon, to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon, gotta catch them all. 